Oh yeah! That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. My name is Joe. And I am Carolyn. You guys are listening to Carolyn Joe! Carolyn and Joe Show. My name is Joe Carbam, a filmmaker, a photographer, definitely in the band Monday Mistress. But also, today, I am a podcaster, not a podcaster, a podcaster. Well, a I invented, podcaster, you know, I invented that term, podcast. Podcasting. <laughs> and across from me in the studio today, in the straight studios, is the one and only greatest minds galaxy has ever seen. Her name is Carolyn Bolevsky. How you doing, Carolyn? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. And you guys at home, whenever you're listening to this, no, this is not a ploy. We are actually playing Monday Mistress's Rocket, and I'm contemplating that this might be the theme of the show, because you know what? We could use this. We could use this. It's a freaking awesome show. Definitely check it out, mondaymistress.com. Go iTunes, Stitcher, not Stitcher, sorry. It's a, that's the wrong ploy. iTunes, uh, where do you, where else do you find music? Amazon? Apple Go, Play. Apple Play. Whatever, wherever you find music, you can download this song. Are you Monday guys on Mistress. Pandora? We are in Pandora, from what I've told, Spotify, all that stuff. I thought it'd be great. You're everywhere. Everywhere. But this week, we are still here. We're giving to you the best hits that we got from uh, Awesome Con. And this week, this week on the show, we are presenting to you the Awesome Filmmakers Making It Happen panel that happened Saturday night at Awesome Con. And Carolyn, did you know... Did you know this year at Awesome Con, on that first Friday, on the Friday night, the first night of Awesome Con, I actually produced a, uh, a short film festival. I've, I've done many film festivals in the past, but this is the first time I've ever brought a film festival to Awesome Con. And uh, it, was, it was really surprising. I didn't know what the turnout was going to be. I didn't know if this is the type of crowd, how it's going to feel. But it was a standing room, jam-packed like audience. Um... The, the not a seat to be had? Not a seat to be had. We had to stand that's in the back. That's right, guys. Stand in the back if you come late. Yeah, that's right. It was packed. It was also cool to look out and be like people outside are waiting to get in, too. That was what? really that was really interesting. And I was surprised by that. I didn't know how to how to feel. I mean, how to, what to expect. But I thought I was really happy about that. And, you know, the coolest thing is also the filmmakers... All the filmmakers joined us for the awesome filmmakers making it happen panel that happened the night afterward. So it's like a one-two punch of cinema and filmmaking that, you know, hopefully that, that I can continue to bring to Awesome Con every single year. So that panel is what we're going to listen to right now, right? Yeah, we're definitely listening to that panel in all of its glory. Uh, one thing, the panelists that we're having, the, the, I just want to tell you guys who the panelists are. Uh, Rick Spears, who directed Black Eyes. Michelle Lombardi, who also produced Black Eyes and also... They showed an exclusive clip from Assassinat on the, the short film night. She produced that. Uh, Matthew Lucas, who directed the film uh, uh, Moonshot. Um, Danny Caparelli, who uh, who showed um, uh, Santa Claus is Coming, or Santa is Here, and also and also showed his film Making Movies is Easy. Uh, and also Tessa Marie Goddard, who's also DC, uh, DC WebFest co-founder, president, creator, and also Orange Juice and Bishop's Garden. The first web series ever created was her, also created in DC. So she was there, and also I was there, and as I am for three years in a row, because we've had this panel for this is the third year. So it's pretty amazing to have that happen. Uh, what's really cool is I want to I want to throw this story out there is that before the panel started on that Saturday, is that we had a um, we had a girl named Annie. I believe I'm, I might be wrong, but I believe that's her name. But she went to the very first. 
uh, filmmakers panel that we had maybe two years ago, and she pitched to the the panelists uh, about a film that she was making that she wanted to make, and she wanted to know how to do it. And you know, we all gave her her tips and all that stuff to maybe make a trailer. You know, gather all the gather as much as you can. All that all that good stuff that you can definitely hear us talk about. And what's really cool... And if you dig in our archives of the Carolyn and Joe show, I think we might have those panels. We definitely do. Go back two years ago. You can definitely listen to it. You can listen to her talk and just have a flashback moment. But what's really cool is before the start of this panel, she actually came up to us or came up to me and says like, Hey, um, do you remember me? Blah, 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 blah. I actually made a trailer. Is there any way you can show it? And I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to show it. I was like, do you have the file? She's like, uh... I don't really have it on me. I was like, is it online or connected? She's like, on my Google, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, cool. I mean, if we can get if we can get a connection, we can get it. So we had like, we just did like a mad dash to get like internet connection downloaded onto the onto the tablet so we can screen it. And we actually screened it twice. And uh, I think it, it played off pretty well. And it was really, to me, it was one of those moments that I never thought would happen. Like someone listened and learned from this panel. And that's pretty much... It shows the importance of how to have this panel and, that, and to have this film festival here. And it really does. It really does. You know, it really does help. Joe, it, you're making the world a better place. Yeah, for like Silicon Valley. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that was so that was really awesome. So I thought that was really cool. So definitely, this panel consists of Rick Spears, Michelle Lombardi, uh, Danny Caparelli, uh, Matthew uh, Lucas, Otessa Marie Gadar, and me. And um, what about you, Karen? What do we have before we can send us send them into the podcast? I'll say, if you're a filmmaker and or just somebody who loves films and wants to know how they're made, take a listen to this podcast and you'll find out some tips. Absolutely. So, I'm winded because I did speak pretty fast, but I hope all you guys enjoy this podcast. We will check you out afterwards. So, like I said before... This is Awesome Con's panel of awesome filmmakers making it happen. And Enjoy here we go. the show. Welcome everyone to Awesome Filmmakers Making It Happen. I love everyone for showing up. It's so great. <laughs> so let me check who's here. Everyone, everyone, everyone who's awesome is here. <laughs> so um, let's go down the line. Who, who went to the who went to the short film festival last night? Great, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, basically, everyone here showed an amazing film. Uh, the room was pretty jam packed, and I was pretty ecstatic about how how amazing it was. On the far far right of mine, Tessa Marie Guitar. She is the creator and co-founder of the DC Web Fest. Orange Shoes and Bishop's Garden, one of the very first uh, web series that was ever created in the DC area, it's here for Tessa. <laughs> Matthew, there's so much to say about you. You're a playwright. <laughs> you, uh, you made a, a pretty amazing film called Moonshot. You have awesome hair. <laughs> but Matt, Matt, Matthew Lucas is here, everyone. And we can have like a separate yeah, round of applause for my hair. Would be great. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, you can have. It's not even working. It's not working. Oh, here, you try. 
Nope. I don't know a lot about mics, but like. No. No, no. Oh, there it is. Uh -huh. You had to tap it multiple right times. That's it. There's is like it, a magic trick. Is it, is it still working? <laughs> oh, I hear it. Yeah, we're good. Nice. Dan, you're going to have to help me with your last name. I'm horrible at those. It's okay. Kappa. <laughs> it's Caparelletti. Caparelletti. There you go. So, Danny made the film that you guys just saw, Making Movies is Easy. Also, he he, uh, he showed his film, uh, Here Comes Santa Claus, on uh, the Short Film Festival, Dawson County Short Film Festival. Danny, you do multiple things, man. You work in production. Everyone here works in production. We all work in production. Mainly in camera. Do you main, is it mainly in camera? Mostly, yeah. Mostly in camera? Would you, is it okay to say what department you want to work in, or do you want to keep the must? You know, uh, camera and, and directing, assistant directing. There you that's, go. That's the main stuff. Danny, everybody. So basically, we created this panel for, for everyone here. Who here um, has made a film or wants to make a film or is thinking about it? Sweet. None of you guys in the back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you looking back. Let me go see. <laughs> awesome. This is, so pretty much, this is, the, this is the venue for you guys just to pick our brains. It's about how to make a film where, you know, it's obvious that we're all millionaires up here. So you can ask us how we became millionaires, too. But just like any question you have about the production, like the stages, like just the realities and the harshness of making, of making movies, specifically like in this in this area, or just like in this in America or whatever. Uh, but I'd like to start with a question, and I usually start with this every single year, and we'll go down the line. We'll start with the test and work our way this way. But as a filmmaker and a director, um, what have you found was the biggest lesson that you've learned? So it's funny, I feel like people often ask, like, you know, tell me what you're most proud of on these panels. And I'm like, I don't want to tell you what I'm proud of. I want to tell you about all of the failures that I had. Because the failures, that is what I learned from. And every time I fail, I pick myself back up. I learn something from it. And yeah, so go out, fail really big. Um, I'm glad that I did. Uh, other things, um, wait, so the question was, big, biggest lesson? Yeah, biggest lesson. Yeah, I would say that, I would say that was one of them. Um, and also, if, if there's something that you miss or feel like there isn't out there, and you find yourself bitching about its lack of existence, go out and do it. Pitch in, don't bitch. Um, that's why I started the festival, that's why I got into web series, and, um, Actually, Joe, I'm gonna be really annoying to correct you. Um, it was one of the very first web series. Why is this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's the wind. There's no wind. Uh, yeah, because yeah. I don't have. Yeah. So I'll just try to be really careful. But no, but it was one of the very first web series. Period. It was in 2006 when no one knew what the hell a web series was. Um, so yeah. I think that's in, a that's an okay correction for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it did go on to. Um, Actually, you know, now, now people know what a web series is a little bit more, which is awesome. So I'm proud of that. Um, and I'm proud of the fact that it was an honoree of the Webbies three times. So that's cool too. But yeah, end of the day, I want to say that the biggest thing is failure. I am very grateful for all of my numerous 
and varied failures? Um, I would agree fully with that. Um, you can't learn how to do it right until you've done it wrong a whole lot of times. Um, and I would go a little further that really no one, I would say for me, the biggest thing I've learned is that no one's going to do it for you. You know, uh, going out there and failing or succeeding, both of those outcomes only occur if you get out of bed and do the thing that you want to do. And at the end of the day, again, to piggyback, you know, getting experience doing a thing, whatever that thing is, we're talking about movies, but you could probably apply this to anything. You only get that experience if you wake up in the morning and don't just say, yeah, I'm going to make this movie, or yeah, I'm going to write that book, or yeah, I'm going to do whatever. You've got to get up and actually make steps to do it. And uh, I'm sure we all have experiences like this where you know people in your life that are, they're talkers. And it's okay to be a talker, you know? It's great, that's how we get ourselves motivated, it's how we get each other motivated to do cool stuff. But at a certain point, you gotta take the next step. And it's really easy, especially as a creative person, which I think one of the, thing that, one of the things that defines creative people is like crippling lack of self-confidence or this like, I'll never be good enough, I'll never be better than the other person who's done way cooler stuff, or I don't have an expensive enough camera or good enough, whatever, it doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters. What matters is be yourself and do the thing that's inside of you and wake up and just do it. Just stop talking about doing it and just do it. And as soon as you do a couple of these things on any scale, uh, you start to learn pretty quickly that you, you, can, you can be really charming, you can have a really cool story, and you can get a lot of people to work on, on your film, and some of them will do you favors and work for, for half of their day rate, or some of them will volunteer their time, and that's all really good, um, but they still don't care about it as much as you do. You're the only one at the end of the day that cares the most. And especially if, if we're talking about being at the beginning of your career, which I know I, I, I am, uh, especially when it comes to my personal like you know, passion projects, um, we're, we're asking for favors. I'm not sure if you guys uh, have this. Well, well, sure. You look so different. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and we'll ask for favors and people will help us out, but I mean, uh, at, at the end of the day, it, everything funnels down to you. You are, you're, if you're the creator of the thing, no one will care more than you. So just do the thing that you want to do. Uh, yeah, I think that um, it's definitely true that you're the one, the one that cares the most about the project. Uh, as hard as you can try to, to drum up excitement from everybody else on the crew, or whoever it may be, you're always the one. Uh, the biggest lesson, I would say, um, should always feed your crew. Uh, you should always buy lunch. Uh, other than that, finish the work. Uh, I think the, the hardest thing a lot of the times is to have, you're talking about someone being a talker and having all these great ideas. You can have the best idea, the best script ever. If you don't go out there and start to make it, or make the trailer, make whatever you're gonna do to, to further the process, it's not going to get done. Um, and uh, when, I, when I was in grad school, I had a, a thesis director who said that the definition of professionalism is finishing. And even if it sucks, even if you're failing all the time, and it's, you're making it and nobody's watching it or nobody cares about it, uh, you still have to finish it. Uh, and I think if you finish it and move on to the next thing, that next thing is going to be that much better than the project that you just did. Um, yeah, that's what I would say is, is 
The biggest takeaway from, uh, obviously we're all still at the beginning of our careers and it's, it's just a matter of finishing that project, moving on to the next one and, and learning from all the mistakes from the ones before that. Yeah. Oh, we, we, have, we have two more. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> we're very late. Good to see you. Good to see you too. All right, real quick. Hey. After introductions, introduce you guys into the, um, the scary mic. Scary <laughs> mic? It bites I got back. this under control. Yeah, careful. So the man in the glasses is Mr. Rick Spears. Tell us about yourself, Rick. Um, hi, Rick. <laughs> um, my film was uh, Black Eyes that Michelle produced. And uh, I also write comic books. I don't know if you guys see those. Um, and I make movies. That's about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I produce for Rick. Um, I'm a producer. I've done two feature films so far. Um, got a couple more on deck now. I have focused mostly on sci-fi and horror. And yeah, we ran like 20 <laughs> blocks to get here. <laughs> so we made it, yay. What was the first question? Yeah, the first question we answered was basically, what was the first hard lesson that you learned in making films? Oh. Like the first, the first hard one. The first hard lesson. Um, and bring there, the mic closer to you, but don't make it pop. That's your challenge. Don't make it pop. Yeah. Okay. Usually it's the opposite, right? Or, or rip off this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, first hard lesson is definitely uh, you get a lot out of out of making something, and then there's a, like a recovery period afterwards um, of. Once, once the thing ends and you have to continue taking care of it, um, there's this thing that has to go out to an audience and you have to connect with them and you've had this crazy like 24 hours a day experience of making this completely new world that would have never existed otherwise. Um, and uh, you know, having to take a reprieve from that while still coming back in and being enthusiastic. Um, it's a it's a it's a lesson in moderation of energy, I guess. <laughs> um, I guess there's a lot of lessons that you learn, um, and they get crazier as you go. But I guess the first real lesson, my first films I made in school, um, and there you know you're in class, so a lot of people are making a lot of stuff. But um, what's that? Nope. Oh, wait. Yeah. There <laughs> That's the pop I'm talking about. <laughs> um, yeah, my first, uh, my first song I made in school, uh, a lot of people start in school. Um, and, and in my class, everybody had to make films because I was, I was the class. But uh, one, of the teacher, one of the teachers really drilled down on us that it doesn't matter if you just make a film. It's really hard to make a film to come up with it, to do it. It's, it's, Every film is basically a miracle, but you're not done when you're finished making it. You have to get it out. It has to be seen. If people don't see it, you know, films are made to be shared and to be seen. And when you watch your film with an audience, it's totally different than watching it in the edit bay because, you know, you cringe at some things because the things, the mistakes you couldn't see when you were just working on your on your own, you will definitely see with an audience. Um, and then certain other things are going to play even better. You're going to see people have an emotional response as they either laugh or they, you know, whatever. And that's like the best feeling in the world. But if you just make your film and you don't share it, you're missing out on half 
of the gig, you know? And, and you know, I made films in school, and, and I, I started just sending them to film festivals and started getting in. And then everyone was like, oh my God, like how did you get in these festivals? And you just, you just send the film, you know? And, <laughs> you know, like with Black Eyes, we sent it to <laughs> a lot of festivals, <laughs> a whole lot. <laughs> and especially because we weren't getting in anywhere. And so I was like panicking. You know, like it's got to get, it's got to get seen, and then eventually you start to get into festivals, and then people see them at festivals and ask, "Hey, I liked your film. Can we show it at my festival?" And then all of a sudden, you're showing in a whole bunch of places. And you're, you know, we've shown all over the world, um, and you get this amazing response. And that, it's so hard to make a movie, and it takes so much out of you, and it's so difficult, and you, you, you put so much on the line um, that you can be wounded in a lot of ways. But when you get responses from people you've never met that tell you that they love your work, I mean, you can go so far on that energy. It just makes you feel so good. You're like, I gotta do the next one. You know, and you sort of, you sort of forget, you know, being on set and killing yourself and everyone being mad. And all, the, all the bad stuff starts to fade and all the good start, stuff starts to rise. So that's, that was my first real lesson is that you gotta show it to people because that's, that's when it's a movie, you know. At this point, are there any questions so far from the audience? Yellow. Uh, that, sorry, that's your shirt color. <laughs> <laughs> um, one question I, I have: um, film is a visual medium. We all know that. All know that. How do you, you guys, as filmmakers, you have a certain attitude that you use to make sure, or that the visual elements of your all, all, all films don't overwhelm the character or the plot? So how do you how do you sort of balance, I guess? the visual elements with your characters. So, oh, Matt, what do you have to say about that? How do you, how do you balance sort of like, are we going over, over done with the CGI or do we have enough character? How do you balance that? To me, everything that you do technically when you're telling a story, visually, whatever, even the, the audioscape, is in service of the story and of the characters. So it starts from that script, it starts from the idea. And if that idea is strong enough, you will find ways to achieve the things that the story requires because you have strong characters, for example. And where I think people tend to get tripped up, and why I, why I think that the festival circuit in particular, but, but also just like, like short of the week or anything you see on whatever, it, 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 everywhere. Uh, there's a lot of like concept work that's out there that is very flashy, very like, visually interesting, and some of it is truly artistic and, and, and really beautiful stuff, but it has no reason to exist because there is no actual character work being done or, or there's no story being told, for example. And that, uh, yeah, on one level, it's fun, you know, to watch that stuff because you're like, oh, that's cool. I wonder how they did that. I wonder, you know, I wonder how they achieved that effect, or I wonder what camera they used, or I wonder what blah blah blah, whatever. You can go on and on, and that's fun. That, that that stuff is fun, especially if you're in the if you're in production and you're really nerdy about like what tools get used. Like that, that stuff can be really fun. But then, as a storyteller, at the end of the day, I think there's just a little bit, at least for me, like uh, a little. My heart just kind of weeps just slightly because I wish that all of us would be on the same page in terms of I, I really want these characters to I want people to learn something from this kind of a character that I'm writing or I want people to change their lives maybe based on the story that they're being told and how that connects to the human experience and if you don't use tools to tell your story and you and you let tools dictate what story you're telling um, 
people may be impressed, but it won't last, you know? And I, I hope we're kind of all on a level where we want to tell stories because we want to add to the human experience in some way. Um, it, it's a balancing act. Anyone else have something to throw in on that? The only thing I would say is, uh, to go off that, is that uh, when it's an audience that has no idea what your movie is, and they sit there and they see it for the first time, it could, be the, it could have the most spectacle ever, like you're talking about, but they're going to want to connect to a character and root for that character first. Within the first 10 seconds, I would say, or the very longest 30 seconds. Um, and I would say, too, from a technical perspective, you want the movie to look good, we all want it to look slick, and we want it to, to be lit correctly and to have cool tracking shots and to be edited well, all this stuff, but audiences will forgive those mistakes, um, visual mistakes, so much faster than they will a character that they immediately just don't believe. Uh, and, and from a technical perspective, they'll forgive visual stuff even more than sound stuff. Uh, if, if the sound is wrong and you can't hear anything, uh, an audience is going to check out even faster, I think. So it, it's, it's weird. It's like an inverse way of thinking about making movies. But if, if the visual, of course, it's very important. It's, it's the medium. But all the other things that feed into it are, uh, uh, at the beginning of it, are, are more important, really. Um, and when you start to, to define like the visual language of your movie, that is going to happen organically from the characters and the conflict and the story. Uh, in the world that you're building. Uh, if you get on set and the thing that you're nerding out the most about is like, you spend all morning doing this one effect shot, I don't know if that's gonna make the, the movie uh, relatable to, to the common viewer. So, it starts with the, with the character. I'm just gonna jump in really quickly. Um, what I tell my students in particular, so I, what you're hearing here, I, I agree 100% with, right? It's all about the story, it's all about the characters. It, you really want that personal connection, we're looking for empathy, but you need to develop a visual language. So your visual language is, it's a language, it's a grammar, it's the means through which you tell this, the story of these people. Um, and if you think about it that way, I think it grounds you. Yeah, but that's just, sorry, I just went into Professor Mo. <laughs> yep. I'm kind of, I guess you'd say, close, much closer to the beginning than the end of my education. I suppose you'd say the education never ends. Um, <laughs> of getting into making film. Um, mostly what I've done so far only is, being, is learning and doing editing and a little bit of television production class. I'm sure you want some of you remember when you were in your first television production class. Um, my question is more of a, a tools and equipment thing, just to get your thoughts on it. Running right down the line, if for your next five films, you could only pick one editor's software, would you be using Avid, Final Cut, or Avid? <laughs> <laughs> oh you could only pick one, you had to use that one for all of your next five films. Well, well, I have a question for you, though, about that. Is, um, is this about like which one do we think is not going to die a horrible death, or which one do we think is the best? Which the one do you think would serve your purpose the best of the three? Because you only pick that one, you have to use it for all of your next five films. Which I'm, one and why? I'm biased because I'd like to be sponsored by Blackmagic. <laughs> <laughs> so... Did you resolve? Sorry? Whichever I can get free. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't... I mean, I'm not a technical guy. You know, I mean, I was actually an editor for a while, but for me, that's all, you know, it's just whatever you can get your hands on. It doesn't matter, you know? I mean, I started cutting on film, which is crazy now, but it, 
it really doesn't matter. Because even when it doesn't work, I saw a guy did a graphic novel the other day. He worked at, I forget where he worked, with some like inane corporate job. And the only thing he had was Microsoft Paint. <laughs> and so he did a whole graphic novel on Microsoft Paint. And it's amazing. <laughs> and it's a terrible program. But it's what he had, and it's, he had time, and it was free. And so I mean, my thing is, is, you know, beg, borrow, and steal, whatever you can get. And, and you just get better. You know, and down the line, when you have money, then you can, you know, you can pick and, you know, be special about it. But at first, I think I'll use it in. You know. Yeah. Does it still work? Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> for me, it's, it's what communicates the best. Because um, I'm oftentimes pulling crew from different countries. Like right now, the uh, feature that I'm doing, the director is in Virginia, and the editor is in Canada. So whatever software we can use to just ease communication and the transfer of data, that's, I love that. That's easy for me, because I'm not involved with the technical aspect, um, other than just saying, yes, this, this works as a story. Um, but uh, yeah, communication between platforms is the biggest thing for me. Um, right now, it's, uh, what, are, what am I using? Premiere. Yeah. Yeah. Premiere. Premiere is the one. For me, it it, it goes back to what I was saying before. Uh, These are tools. Each one of them, the brand of your computer, the the kind of nonlinear editor that you use, the brand, the lenses that you rent, the kind of camera that you use, the size of its sensor, all of this stuff. Are, they're just numbers and they're just things and they, they, they help you, they're, they're, they're tools that help you do a thing. That we're talking about making a graphic novel in Microsoft Paint. Insanely impressive. I mean, you're more of an artist in a way if you can do something impressive with a shitty tool. Um, can you build a house with like a toolbox that just has a hammer and a screwdriver and a box of nails? Like, yeah. Do you want to do that? Maybe not, but you can, right? And are you, is it like if you tell somebody like, hey guys, I just built this house with like just a box of nails. That's it. And my hands. Right. Well, yeah. Honestly, you don't give a shit. I mean, if if it's if he if it, if you're telling a good story, I fine. It doesn't matter what tool you use. I well, too. I think what you're asking is like which which thing is more impressive or which is the, like the industry standard or something like that. Which and, one do you think? Well, I have I've never worked with Avid, and I know that that, that a lot of houses still uh, run full Avid. But I, I, the reason that a lot of houses still run anything is that it's too expensive to upgrade a whole bunch of machines to run a new thing. So, uh, it, for the house that says I only I only run Avid, that just means they they can't afford or don't or they're not interested in upgrading or, or doing something different. So they'll just continue using it. Fine. Um, to me, I would say I, my opinion about at least the Final Cut Pro X versus the world <laughs> argument, which I, I might have an unpopular opinion up here, um, is that Final Cut Pro X, I think, is a good end-to-end solution if you're the only person working on your project. If you're a freelancer who shoots your own stuff and edits and delivers your own stuff, Final Cut Pro X is extremely powerful, uh, extremely powerful program. And it, got off to a pretty rough start, but uh, once they updated it, it's extremely, extremely useful. However, if you need, if you fit into a workflow with a bunch of other people and you need to share OMF files with your sound guy and stuff like that, do not use Final Cut Pro X. (laughs) Use Premiere. Yeah. Just Premiere. (laughs) That's what I would use. (laughs) 
Um, I think that we've seen the movement from AVID to FCP, and then FCP was, I really, you know, enjoyed FCP. I thought it was a good, like, kind of consumer pro until we hit X. Um, and you then. Gave up on it. What? People gave up on it. Yeah, no, I think I, I I was pissed because I had gotten you know certified on every single version of Final Cut Pro, and all of a sudden I was like, what have you done to me? Why are you doing this? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, and as as a professor, I see that, and also because in, I specialize in like new media and digital media, right? Um, and there wasn't a textbook, and that made it hard for like, people to be teaching this in classes. And I think it's really good as a student because you're not going to be able to make a feature film in film school, right? You end up making like a short film. So it works better for web series. So I was, anyway, so anyway, I wrote a textbook about how to do digital media, right? Um, and a lot of what I talked about was how it looked like Premiere was just, you know, the Final Cut Pro X was the death knell. And what I see with my students is definitely in keeping with that is that everyone has switched over to Premiere. I'll, I'll throw in my two cents. I'll correct Otessa from the yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, I, uh, I accidentally made a feature film in my, in my uh, basically for my you know, not grad, undergrad project. It wasn't meant to be feature length or feature film, but we just kept going. That's because, awesome. Because we did not realize that we could, were supposed to stop. <laughs> and, Did you and, get in trouble though when the teacher was like, "I asked for something that was five minutes, and yeah. you gave me something that was 90? Yeah, because usually, <laughs> usually, usually those, in those those finals classes, it's yeah. like you have a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. And if your movie is the length of the class, <laughs> but it's still awesome. It's still they're still like, well, we can't just show it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But to tie it in, uh, Abbott, Abbott just kept on going. Man. I don't, that's, but it doesn't mean I'm, I swear by it. But I'll say it is dependable. I'm not sponsored by them. A different answer from everyone up here. See, that's, that's yeah. whatever is best yeah. for you. Use what you're comfortable <laughs> with. Yeah. Uh, yes. Three or four of you seem to be leading in roughly the same direction. Yes, we're all going to, to Da Vinci. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, first off, I want to say my first three tour films I did on Movie Maker, so it's fine. Nice. <laughs> no, one's used, no one used iMovie? Oh, I did. Oh, did? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've been here for the last three ones that you've had here, or the last two of the filmmaker panels. And I remember asking a question back at the first one, when I first started a short film that I've finished since then, about how to get started, and that really helped me. But now I'm kind of faced with another problem is, what kind of keeps you motivated to keep doing it? Because when you're in the room writing your script, and you hit a writer's block, or you're trying to get a crew together, it's not coming together. What, what, what tips do you have to keep yourself yeah, Danny. <laughs> I mean, that's a really hard question. Um, for me, uh, staying busy in other elements of life, uh, you know, that are related to filmmaking. Um, you know, I, I work as a freelancer on sets as a camera assistant, assistant director. I do some casting. I teach uh, VCU in Richmond. Surrounding myself, we got BCU people here. Hey. Woo. Um, surrounding yourself with other people who want to make movies. Uh, I mean, if you're in a real rut, one of the main things that I um, will do is other people that are that want to make something. I'm, you know, either volunteer my time or or try and connect with them and have 
a writing session, have, um, you know, even if you're not feeling it, even if you're like, I'm not in a creative mode, um, your two cents could be important to them to get them off the ground to make their first movie. So, um, yeah, and, and you just, you keep grinding and, and surrounding yourself with uh, people that want to make stuff. Um, if it's, if it's a script thing, I mean, that's the hard, that's one of the hardest parts for me is just writing the story. And I call it chair, or booty in the chair time. Like actually just sitting down and writing is, it just can be very difficult. There's always something else to do, like laundry or like whatever. And so if you want it to get made, you have to do that. Uh, you have to eventually just put the time into it. Um, and like, uh, like we were saying earlier, you're gonna care about it the most. No one is ever gonna knock on the door and say, hey, I've got like a million dollars. Maybe you, you have an idea for a movie, you know? Um, though, if they do do that, you wanna be ready. So like, write the script, you know? Um, yeah, that's what I would say. Uh, I, would, I would agree fully with Danny. It's, it's, it's all about surrounding yourself with people that care about stuff. And it's not just, it's not always gonna be the same stuff that you care about. Um, but we, we, I think human beings have a tendency to kind of become complacent, just generally speaking. So you get yourself into a job that feels comfortable, you get your house paid off, you get a car, you get a girlfriend, you get whatever, and life starts to kind of like fit the puzzle together for you. And then it starts to become a little more difficult to like to find extra time and, and energy to do the stuff that you tell yourself that you care about. And at the end of the day, you just have to actually care. You just have to actually deep down, like it's not even a question really about how do I keep caring, it's just about like, this is who I am and what I do. So you just will care, hopefully. But because we're creatures of habit and we like to have comfort around us, generally speaking, I'm sure there are some of you that are like, no, fuck the system, I'm going to the world, Okay, fine. But, uh, but if you're like most people, you're going to become like, you know, you have your little egg and you're happy to have it. Just keep people who are hungry around you. And if there's one person, you know, we're also competitive creatures. And so if there's one person who's like, oh, yeah, I've got this great idea for a feature and it's got blah, 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 and you're just like, yeah, yeah okay, yeah, me too, man. 90 pages one night. So, uh, you know, just keep people who are super hungry and dedicated to what they do around you. You don't always have to work together on the same thing, but when you, when you get into, you know, you guys get together for beers and you're like, hey, what are you working on? What are you working on? And then all of a sudden you're just like, I'm not leaving my apartment for three weeks until I finish that feature. And it just, it just clicks for you. But I, I don't think there's a real secret to that. You actually have to care. I mean, mm -hmm. this has to be who you are deep down. Can I throw a suggestion out there? Please. Because um, I feel your pain in a few ways. I'm in film school. That's my full-time job, sort of. But I freelance, and that, like, I, I hit that wall all the time. I'm just like, I have these ideas, but I can't put it into actual writing and typing sometimes. Every time, like today, I, I turned out to be to work yesterday and today to come today. But the people I've talked to, just getting out of your just work, do the like routine, sometimes it's the thing you need to just, all right, I now have some input into me to put back in my projects, my ideas. So there's some freelance stuff, websites that you, not geo shooting, four different things in the, in the region. There's stuff around here all the time that you one day, two days, just, you know, PA or whatever, but it gets you around 
other things inspiring to start writing again. So. Unless I'm just going to say something that might be controversial, but um, I think you just have to buck the hell up. There, well, I can't remember which comedian it is, but uh, is it Lucy Gay? Anyways, but they say like, who the hell do writers think they are that they get to have writer's block? Like no surgeon walks into the OR and is like, sorry guys, can't do surgery today, I got surgeon's block. Like, who do we think we are that we get to have creative blocks? Like if, you're, if you hit a wall, fine, stop working on that project, work on something else. Even if it's just to bide your time, just to keep your hand in, keep your hand in. Work on something else or like, you know, there are weird like little exercises that you can do, even if it's just playing Mad Libs. I mean, but don't stop. Surgeons don't just get to walk out of the <laughs> OR. You don't get to walk away from the computer screen, even when that cursor is flashing up and down and it starts to look like a middle finger, like, you know, up and down, up and down, why aren't you writing? So. But, I mean, I, I have a counteract to that. I have a counteract to that. I'm not, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna lie and say I've done this before. But, uh, this may sound harsh, but maybe you should quit. Just for one day, one second, be like, you know what? Screw this. I'm not going to be a filmmaker anymore. And then see how long that lasts. <laughs> because if you, really, if you really want it, that urge is going to come back. You're going to realize how much pain you really, you're really going to need to go through, or all that stuff. But you said you quit, but you're like, you know, it's just like Godfather 3, but it pulls me back. You know what I mean? <laughs> so sometimes you don't have a choice. Sometimes the motivation will find you in, in weird ways. Right, right, right? Now. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I mean, it, it ties into to, to something that I think about sometimes. Is that when I was in film school, um, there was a, George Lucas had said they asked him something about film school. He's like, if you could change one thing about film school, what would you change? And he's like, well, they should tell half the students to go home because <laughs> they're not going to make it. They're never going to make it as hard as they try. And I'm sitting there in film school, and I'm like, I know he's right because I'm looking around the room, and I'm like, yeah, half these guys definitely aren't going to make it. The other half. Who knows, you know? And I just, I just promised myself I wouldn't be one of those guys. That that, you know. And some people, you know, it's hard. It's it's the hardest thing I've ever been a part of. Um, and I I see other people. I see other people that, that, that do stop at a certain point, and they're very happy. They find a new life and do other things. And I mean, the world is big and rich, and there's lots to do. But I think if you want to make movies, then then you you sort of have to. You sort of can't not make them. Uh, and then it becomes, I think, um, just making sure that the urgent doesn't crowd out the important. You know, like you've got certain things you have to do today because you have to walk the dog and whatever, and all these things, and all of a sudden you're like, well, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I didn't write or I didn't, you know, do whatever I was supposed to do for the movie. And it's because your life, it does, it, like he said, it, it takes over. It can fill your time. And so you just have to make sure that, you, you know, if it's important to you, you make it important, you treat it important, and you respect the time you dedicate to it, and you do the work, because um, no one's going to do it for you. Um, and, and the other one is, is jealousy, yeah. You know, having other people become successful or, or you just see good work and, oh man, that burns me up. <laughs> it's, it's, it's rocket fuel. I'm breaking Ridley Scott over here. <laughs> Any, anyone from VCU have a question? I graduated. Oh, you graduated. <laughs> There's, there's one thing that I found, I'm, I'm going you know, to ask this question to you guys. When I realized that, like, that I, I'm, I'm a filmmaker, the moment I realized that I was a filmmaker was I saw something crazy happen in, like, in, in front of my very eyes. And instead of being like horrified, I was like, that would make a great film. 
<laughs> like every single time, it's like that'd be a great scene for this <laughs> film. Like, just draw all this inspiration. When did you guys? Did you guys ever have that moment? Or like, like I'm a filmmaker. Like, or I should be a filmmaker. Where, where did you find that moment? And uh, Michelle. <laughs> Do like an audible. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it was it was definitely a, a process getting into it because I, I started with the special effects mostly, um, doing. Uh, I don't know. There was something very gratifying about having my work be this like playing with toys and also it's like bloody body parts just um, on screen, you know, that's what was expected. Um, so that was, <laughs> I was like, this can't be a real job, but it is. And here I am coming back every day for work for this, and I, I love it very much. And then being able to look outside of that process and saying, all right, cool, you know, bloody body parts are great and all that, we <laughs> love that, thumbs up. But, you know, there's this story outside of it, and there's a good way to put it together, and I have a group of people that can do it better than, you know, this previous group of people that I've been working with. Like, let's do it. There's that motivation of getting in front of a group of people who, for some reason, agree with us and are clapping their hands at the end of the movie. Um, it, was, it was something that definitely panned out over time. Uh, or, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I think I'm only a filmmaker sometimes. That's the, I, when I feel like I need to make a film, then I'm a filmmaker. But I, I, for me, like telling a story, again, like these are, you, you choose like the tools that you need to tell the story that you have inside of you. And if one day that story is a poem, then you're a poet that day. And if one, one day that story is a short, a short piece of prose, a short story, or it's a novel, or it's a whatever, then you're that thing that day. I don't know. I mean, I've never written a novel, so I'm not a novelist at all. But <laughs> Put a bunch of more but, words together. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like, for, I, 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 I'm a musician, and I, and I was a playwright, and I still dabble. And, like, I like playing with computers and shit. And so, to me, making a film is kind of all of those things. I get, to, I get to play with all of those tools at the same time. So when I make a movie, it's about how do I take all those little tiny things that I'm interested in and put them together and, and make a puzzle. And I couldn't do any of those things in any other medium. I'm not going to be a painter if I have moonshot of the story to tell, you know? So, I don't know. I, again, I, I really, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep harping on my thing about like you, you use the, stu the tools that you have access to to tell the story that's inside of you. And if, if you are a storyteller in this audience now and you're wondering, do I, how, how do I start my filmmaking career because I like going to the movies and I want to be part of that, really just take, a, just take a tea and look inside of yourself and say, is am I a filmmaker or am I something else? There's a lot of different ways to impact people. And I think a lot of people don't have self-awareness and sort of like, I, there's a lot of films getting made that are better paintings or better three-part novels or better whatever. And especially in terms of like adaptation, the whole different discussion about adaptations. But if you know what's inside of you, you need to find out how to get it out, out of you and share it with people. 
and that self-awareness is very tricky, but it's possible if you just kind of look inside of you. And don't be, don't be distracted by the sexiness of movie making, because I, and along with everyone up here, can affirm to you right here, right now, it is not sexy. <laughs> it is a lot of goddamn work, and it is like bone-numbing, long hours and out in the, I came from set today where I was out in the sun all day. I just want to keep drinking and go to bed. Like, that's my life. So it looks sexy until you do it, but I mean, like, like we're saying up here too, if, if, if it's the only way you can get what's inside of you out of you, there won't be any choice for you but to do it. Um, I would say... Uh, I would say that uh, when I was like seven or eight and I saw Back to the Future and I remember watching it on TV and it ending and me being up like much later than I was supposed to be up and I was like, I think I want to make something like that. Uh, I, want, I want to do what, to an audience, what I felt like that movie did to me. So that was like the beginning of it. But then um, when I went to film school, once you have that feeling where you see your film screened in front of a, in front of a bunch of people, you either have that um, and, and you get a laugh or you get a reaction to it. Uh, and if you're not hooked by that, then there's something wrong with you. Because uh, that is just the immediate, like, okay, I, I want to do that again. Um, and then for me, I fell in love with the process. I mean, being on set is, is the greatest feeling, uh, if, especially when you're the director or when you, you have a hand. It's great to be on set no matter what your position is, but when you have a hand in actually driving the day and you have the creative vision, um, that's the best feeling. So I'm more addicted to that maybe than, than anything else that has to do with filmmaking. I don't like to sit in the editing room. Like I said, I have a hard time sitting my booty in the chair to actually write, but get me on set and I could probably keep going for a long time. So. That's different for everybody, I suppose. So, I guess two things. Um, I probably knew that I, yeah, retrospectively, I knew I was going to be a filmmaker when, um, does anyone remember those French in action? Did you say French? And they have those silly, like, video courses that went along with it? Well, I just Latin, and there were no videos that went along with that. And my friend and I decided that we were going to make the videos that went along with, uh, with our Latin book. Especially because there were all these ridiculous things that happened, like the chef would get drunk, and then the, the frescoes were like attacking him. It was like a way more exciting book than what was going on in French in Action. We were like, we're going to make this. This is going to be awesome. Um, so that probably was the genesis in my childhood when I was doing that. But um, at the same time, I really, really appreciate everything that you just said about, um, you know, some days you're not a filmmaker. Um, you know, you might be expressing things in a different way. So I do, when I, I guess when I describe myself, I describe myself as a digital storyteller. Um, and I was kind of over the moon when last year Google selected um, a small group of us for like a think tank. And what I've been doing now, and what I'm really excited for, you know, down, down the pike, um, you know, coming from digital media, is what I see as being virtual reality and AR and open world gaming also informing storytelling. 
And I think that there's a level of empathy there. And I think that that's like the great unknown, but actually being able to work with people who know about these things and figure out how that's gonna change our storytelling capabilities. So that's not even gonna be filmmaking. You know, that's gonna be something else entirely, but I'm super excited about it. Because um, I think that, yeah, you, when, as a storyteller, I do believe that we endeavor for empathy. And when you can literally step into someone else's shoes and feel that, express that, um, yeah, I think that's the gold standard. Any, any question? Is that a, sort of a hand? Can't tell. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, now I'm confused. Uh, yeah, you go ahead. You're closer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so filmmaking is a collaborative art in, in general. Uh, do you have any tips for collaborating with people that are kind of, that have a different idea of what your story is going to be uh, than you do? Well, are they the director, or what's the role? Uh, if you're writing something, or if you're directing something, just in general, just collaborating with people. So recommendations on how to collaborate. How to collaborate. Uh, I'll jump in. Um, it, it does depend on what, what your role is in that project. Now, if you're a producer and a writer and a director, and you're talking about basically that team and maybe the production designer, and I don't know, a handful of other like in intensely creative parts, parts of designing the world that you're making. Um, it's the director's responsibility at the end of the day to know what story is being told and how to tell it. Now, if you're the kind of director who is not an asshole, uh, <laughs> you will listen to everybody and you will listen to everybody down to the PA, really. I mean, given enough time in the shooting day. You will listen to ideas from people because you trust your team. You've developed a team of people that you want to work with, right? Not just like, oh, whoever kicks some legs under that role and then we'll, you know, whatever. You, you have people that you trust. And that goes to your actors, too. Sometimes your actors will come to your story with something completely new that you never thought of. That can be intensely exciting. That can be really cool. Oh, I never thought of this. That changes the entire landscape of this of this character, the way that I had kind of like drawn it up. And when it works, it's great. And you also have to be strong enough to say like, thank you for your input, but no, go home. Sorry. Uh, and that you know what? At, at the end of the day, really, if you're the director and it's all funneling down to you, you have to be strong enough to one, be open to new ideas and trust trust your team and to be able to say no when, when something conflicts, and that's okay, you know. I mean, I, I think that if you are a director who's an asshole, you kind of are a Hitler of your, of your you know, you're, you're a dictator in a way of your, of your team, and you're not really open to anything, and you guys are here to serve me, and I guess you can make a movie like that, and it'll just be purely you or whatever, but you're, you're right on to say that it's a collaborative art form and that it's important to surround yourself with people you trust who are also creative people who have good ideas and who you want to bring into your project to help make it something that all of us can be owners of in the future. Yeah. Oh, oh, I was going to say, was it Rick? Oh, Rick yeah. Well, I was just going to add that um, uh, and a, lot of the, a lot of the story stuff should be worked out beforehand. You know, it should be worked out in script form. Um, and whoever you want to give input gives their input, but by the time you get to set, the script should be done, and it should be you know, as good as it can be, um, because you don't, you don't want to get to set and then find out your script's falling apart or everyone doesn't like it now, or, you know, because on set you're gonna have other problems, you're gonna have mm -hmm. you know, set problems, and you're gonna have to work with your actors, and 
one of the big things with being a director is having a vision for the film. And I've always, I always had a problem with that, just that term vision. I don't, it just sounded like bullshit to me, you know, like, mm. oh, I can, I can see it, here it is. Um, but it's actually really important, and, and that it is the right word for it. Um, and for a project that I'm working on now, I was asked to do a director's treatment for it. And I was like, I did do a director's treatment. It's a 120-page screenplay. Here you go. <laughs> and they're like, no, 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 we need to be able to see it in a different way. And so, you know, you can find them online, and it's basically I found a bunch of images and, and sort of did a very short synopsis of the story, but a synopsis of the story is different than a script because it's, it's concise in a way that can understand it a little differently. And then I, I just wrote basically an essay on both my feeling about it, um, but then also how I wanted to achieve that. So it was very, it was sort of, the feeling part is, is sort of why me? Why do I connect to this material um, in a very honest way? And then how we were gonna achieve it was very concrete, very technical sort of way. And those two things together were the vision. And that, it, it helped because I, I hadn't done that before, and in other films I'd gone in and I knew what I wanted, but even in your head you know it in this sort of dreamy space sometimes. You know, you might have a few shots that you know, but some of it you just hope and it's gonna work out. But this really helped me write it down and understand, and then when I go into pitch meetings now, I read that before I go in, and I'm able to explain myself a lot better, and I also go, oh yeah, I actually know what I'm doing. It's not just, you know, some bullshit vision. Um, so, but all that's, all that's pre-stuff, all that's before you get to set. You know, you have to sort of understand what you're trying to achieve um, and then how you want to achieve it. If, if, for no other reason is, you know, if you want to do a dolly shot, you gotta make sure you have a dolly. If you're not gonna do a dolly shot, you don't wanna spend the money on a dolly, you know? So it's, it's that kind of stuff. But, um, but by the time I get to set, I, I don't, I don't, I want input from my actors. I work with my actors, but crew and technical stuff, that is in place. People know what they do. I mean, you have to be open to the day, and you have to be open to changes, because everything's gonna change. And you roll with that, and, and sometimes you get new things that happen that you've never planned for, but it, it was just how the day went. And those, that's my favorite That's my favorite thing ever. When you have your, your solid plan, you're not deviating at all, and you get to set, and it goes out the window, and, and then just like magic happens, and you're just like, holy shit. But that's only because you prepared, you know, and you knew what you were gonna do. But on set, I just like to work with the actors. And, so we got basically one final question. And I ask this every single one, every single um, uh, awesome filmmakers panel, and we're gonna do it again. Literally, give me your honest opinion on today's, you know, filmmaking today, pretty much. Like, how is, how is, I mean, Hollywood, how is, you know, like, what are your thoughts on uh, how filmmaking is going today? You're like, this is the state of, my state of the union of how filmmaking is. I don't want to go first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Michelle, right. I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. So, pretty much, yeah. your thoughts on the film business going on right now? <laughs> okay. So, the film business world right now um, is very, very rapidly changing. Um, there's a whole lot of people in the boat who are holding on to this older concept of, you know, you have to walk through all of these gateways and have people approve what you're doing in order to obtain an audience and obtain a means of distribution. Um, that's just simply not true anymore. And uh, because the market is so flooded with um, people who are able to make content and put it out in the world by themselves, um, it's harder to sift through you know, what's good and what's not. Like, how do you, as an audience member, choose what you like 
and how do you as an audience member choose you know what you're going to watch this year um, whether something catches your attention or not and whether you're going to have a good time judging it because um, that's i don't know that's my favorite part of watching a movie whether i like it or not you just kind of talk about it afterwards and judge it it's great um but you know it's it's a it's a space that's been completely transformed by the digital market market like you can actually geo-target people in berlin at a movie theater who like these four things and put something in front of them and have them respond to it and have them you know choose how they're going to like your movie or not and then how that actually plays into what you're doing is a whole other level. So what I mostly do is independent work where, you know, you have your genre and you have your fixed audience of people who love, you know, specific kinds of sci-fi, people who love going to space, people who love, you know, watching kids come into, you know, come into their own, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and uh, I feel like I'm going off on a tangent. <laughs> Give everyone else time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I trust the producer's answer to that question more than, than, more than my own. I, I would answer from a creator's perspective, which is basically from an audience perspective. Um, you know, it looks like Hollywood's in trouble. That's my hunch. I go to Hollywood movies more and more, and I'm, I walk out, and I'm like, why the hell did I just pay for that crap? And... Um, and the worst part is that I still go. You know, I'm going to see every goddamn Star Wars movie that comes out for the next 50 years until I die, and I hate myself for that. <laughs> I don't to do it. Um, so they have me on the hook, whatever. Um, uh, and, and you know, you know, I also went to the theater a couple weeks ago to see a movie, and the first thing that I saw was a title card for Amazon Studios. That's weird, <laughs> you know? And it just is a little different now. And in terms of creating stuff, it just feels like, it, uh, you know, everything's been done and that's not true but that's what it feels like and all you can really do as a creator is to just do what what who you are just do you you know you're gonna have a story and okay it's gonna it's gonna be based on like a lot of movies that you saw growing up and a lot of movies that you love about that you go to the to the theater and see now and you know good artists borrow and great artists steal that's really the end of it you know you can you can borrow stuff you can steal stuff and it's yeah, as long as you're you it's your story and it's your world that you've created yes so. kind of bring it back i guess the moral of what i'm saying is that you're you're allowed to do whatever it is that you want to at this point though it's completely open there's nothing telling you no there's nobody telling that you telling you that you cannot do that. Everything that you could possibly make is unique to your perspective, and there will be an audience for it. You just have to put the work in and find it. And you have to trust that the story you're telling, you know, it will connect with somebody because you, in fact, are a human being, and those who are like you will at least love it as much as you do. Uh, there's a lot of bad movies out right now. Uh as you're alluding to. Uh, movies, Hollywood, that is in trouble. Um, cinematic storytelling is not in trouble because there are so many, so much content. Uh, it's, it boggles the mind how much content there is to watch 
uh, that should be both inspiring to every young filmmaker and terrifying because there's so much more to fight against, but there's also movies being made on iPhones that play at Sundance, which is insane. Um, to me, the, the thing that's not gonna go away is a bunch of people in a room, the lights dim, the collective cinematic experience is not gonna go away. Um, that is a different way to experience a movie than in your living room watching something on Netflix. Uh, that's another way to experience a film. Uh, to me, they can coexist. The, the argument right now um, in certain film festivals about how one is better than the other, or this, this should be, you know, these movies are allowed in the film festival, these movies aren't, it, that doesn't matter. Uh, you're just supposed to digest the story. Uh, and for me, I like to do it in a group of people. Uh, I think that you can understand uh, what your movie is doing a little bit more when it's, when it's with a collective. But uh, I don't care how people see the movie, I just want them to see it. Um, so that's, that'd be my two cents. Well, let me just add to that really quick. I know, I know you're probably trying to push it out here, but uh, two seconds. The democratization of technology and distribution channels in, in this field means that you don't need to feel weird about like starting something and it being shitty because, trust us, there's like a ton of really shitty stuff that, that gets into festivals and that plays for lots of people. And because people love to look at stories that the other people are telling, there will always be a venue for you as a storyteller. And that's cool. And it's only getting cooler because of how many distribution channels there are and how easy it is to get people together and get really good technology for very cheap. Um, there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of opportunity. And you know, every year I hate doing this, but I gotta cut us off again. <laughs> but but that was very Hollywood. They didn't let the woman speak. Oh, oh since <laughs> since she said that, with you, I'm messing with you. Since she said that, Otessa, give us a final word. <laughs> Send us home. No, no, no. Okay, wait, so I will say this very quickly. When I was doing my thesis defense ten years ago at Columbia University, I said in five to ten years television's gonna be dead. They all laughed at me, right? Uh -huh. Literally laughed. I was like, no, look at my business model. It's gonna move to television over IP. No one's laughing anymore. This has happened. Our viewing methods have changed. Um, you go to the movies, they have the actors and the directors thanking you for coming to, you've seen those, right? They're like, thank you for being a butt in a seat because no one does that. Thank you for not pirating this. Uh -huh. I mean, and there's a reason why this has happened, right? Hollywood's kind of racist. I mean, Wonder Woman was only the second film with a female director that had a budget over 100 million. I mean, it is not a friendly place. It's a lot of remakes, it's a lot of prequels. I mean, there, the, the margins have gotten so large, it's like most of the page, so people don't feel served. But that's why digital media is awesome. That's why all these other platforms are awesome. So I think that you can feel really good about those um, because there is a safe space, there, there is a place for you. Um, but the thing that I think is putting that at risk is net neutrality. So if we lose net neutrality, then we're screwed. That's right. <laughs> well, there you go. I would like to thank everyone for putting your butts in these seats. I really appreciate that. I thought it was pretty awesome. Everyone, round of applause. I called the convention to give us more time, so awesome. <laughs> Good night, everybody. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Awesome con, awesome filmmakers making it happen. 
live recorded in front of a in front of the, the biggest the one of the big rooms man one of the big rooms at at the the Washington Convention Center this is the so Karen it's the third time we had this panel and I'm in I'm in the groove <laughs> you're in the groove so what are you gonna do next year is there is there gonna be plans for the short film fest to continue I would like the short film fest to continue just to have that be a spot to have that be something that people look forward to at awesome con you know what I mean it's such a it, like it surprised me this year so maybe next year will surprise me we're gonna bring in some some more awesome films and hopefully we can we can do this hopefully and maybe you this. even inspired more people in the audience because it seems to be an, a little bit larger audience than last year building and building and maybe more people that attended this will show their films next year yeah so hopefully this is this will be a great thing just to continue who really knows but there's filmmakers here in this DC area and there's definitely there's definitely an audience for it over at awesome con People need something to do after the show, after the, after the, um, after the floor is closed. Why not go chill, have some food, and watch some movies? And it does seem like Edgar, you know, they they brought in Edgar Wright. So, yeah, and, I mean, Fel- if, and Felicia Day. If, and if they're bring, yeah, Felicia Day had her own web series. So it's like, you know, if people if they're bringing in a lot of filmmaking people, so why not have the film fest continue the film fest, make it bigger and better each year? I mean, that would be pretty crazy. What if Robert Rodriguez is here next year? You know what I mean? I would be happy to be like, hey, Robert, can we show a short film of yours? Can we show one of your early short films here at the film festival? Why not? That'd be fucking awesome. You know what I mean? Why not? Make it happen, Joe. That's why they call it Awesome Filmmakers Making It Happen. I think that would be a great idea. That would be a crazy idea, but I might as well go for that crazy idea. I think like with AwesomeCon, anything is possible at this point. They can bring in anybody now. Like, how many, do you even know how many people came to awesome con this uh, year above fifty thousand. I think it was like probably near seventy thousand. Yeah. Massive. So, I mean, at this point, anybody can come to awesome con. Pitch it, Joe. Make it happen. Make it happen. Go call Robert Rodriguez. That would be so awesome. Call him right now. Can I show right, you your first short air. film? That would be so great. I should. That would be so sick. That would be one of the sickest ideas ever, ever. And there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That's our show for this week. Check us out. Check out my work at uh, JoeCarbio.com, GoStray.tumblr.com, AstrayProductions.com. AstrayProductions makes this podcast and they produce this and all this stuff. So definitely send them some love, which is also sending me love at the same time. Um, you know, Check out some of my films at One-Shots.com. What do you got, Carolyn? Well, I do have a comic strip called Curls, and you can read it at Curls-Studio.com slash Curls. And I also have my whole portfolio on the website and it is on carolynbolevsky.com and you can connect with me online on social media of course i'm on twitter instagram facebook all that jazz all that fun stuff i'm even on linkedin but i did delete my myspace so sorry guys if you're on myspace tough luck myspace is gonna be like the cassette tapes of the of social media <laughs> yeah i just got rid of it i'm like i don't go on here i'm gonna delete that anyway but yeah so I'm looking forward to next year's Awesome Con already, and I hope that the Film Fest will continue and filmmaking gets spotlighted at Awesome Con because, I mean, it's awesome and it deserves to be part of the scene. Not only with, like, cosplay and comics and games and art, the arcade. They have, like, they have everything at Awesome Con, so I really feel like films should be a part of it and continue to be a part of it. And uh, we thank the AwesomeCon crew for doing such a great job every year. And 
it's it's a it's an amazing thing that Ben has created in Washington D.C. So, hats off to Ben, and we thank him. And I also say, you're bona fide. See you next week. What will we bring to you next? <laughs>